When my daughter was small, we used to read loads of books, but one of our favorite series was about a little girl named Ramona Quinby. And this little girl was about my daughter's age, and she was always facing very colorful catastrophes. And one of our favorites was Ramona the Pest, which chronicled her first day at kindergarten. When Ramona innocently asked her teacher, what should she be doing? And the teacher was very distracted, running around with a million things to do, and said, wait here for the present. And not understanding the various meanings of the word present, Ramona sat very still at her desk all day, and she wouldn't budge for anything, not wanting to endanger the gift that she was going to receive. Ramona had no idea that wait here for the present, in her case, simply meant just wait here for now. So Ramona's harried teacher probably meant on this hectic first day of kindergarten, keep quiet, stay out of the way. And this gets me thinking about Joseph this evening as we see him in the Gospel of Luke. I wonder if Joseph in a stable with no discernible job to do, may feel that he's being told the same thing. Just wait here for the present. Not so in Matthew's gospel where we find Joseph actively involved, receiving repeated dream visits from the angel of the Lord, the first one, it's instructions not to divorce Mary. Do not be afraid to take her as your wife because discovering that she's with child, he was considering divorce. In those days, women were stoned for less. Next, with a warning to flee to Egypt and a third time later with news that it was safe to come back home again. So he was a, an active participant. But tonight, in Luke's gospel, there's not much for Joseph to do, but other figures do get to have key roles to play. Mary's cousin-in-law, Zephaniah, he receives a visit from the angel Gabriel, and Mary, too, of course, receives a visit from the angel Gabriel. And Elizabeth, her cousin, becomes pregnant even though she's too old. But Joseph, nothing is mentioned. We can assume that he organizes their travel from Nazareth, where they live, to his hometown in Bethlehem in Galilee. This is to satisfy the Roman government's difficult requirement that all had to return to their home regions for the census. This was an imperial plan to raise taxes. And Luke's gospel reminds us that Bethlehem is the city of David, and we know that Joseph is descended from David. So even though he may be only a poor carpenter, his family tree matters. Still, though, we hear nothing specific about Joseph, only what we can guess. And here's one more guess. Whenever we hear the story of Jesus' birth, we hear this idea of no room at the inn. And we imagine Joseph and his very pregnant fiancée knocking on one door after another just to have each door slammed in their face. However, I'm told that the Hebrew does not translate to no room at the end, but no space 
in the guest room. So it's possible, I think, that, that Joseph and Mary showed up at the home of one of his probably many relatives in Bethlehem who had to say to him, I'm so sorry, Joseph, the guest room is full, but feel free to sleep in the lower area of the house where the animals are locked up safe for the night. This would make a night in the attached stable not degrading like we often think about it, but maybe practical, maybe evidence of what one writer called hasty hospitality. Joseph, through family connections, finds them this place. Still though, Joseph utters no words. We receive no sense of who he is or how he feels. Once they reach the manger, he fades into the background. Maybe he waits there for the present. So you might be wondering, why am I talking about Joseph tonight when we have right in front of us these glorious passages describing awestruck, terrified shepherds, an angel of the Lord, and a multitude of the heavenly hosts, that's thousands of angels, and Mary receiving the shepherds' profound words deeply. The reason is because I, I don't know, I want to know more about Joseph because he's missing. I want to know what was going on for him in the midst of all this glory. Did he wish that he had a bigger role to play? Did he wish that he could do more? In my own life, I've often wished I could do more. Have you? Visiting parishioners who are suffering in the hospital, those for me are the most agonizing times because in a time like that, you know, I'm wanting desperately to offer some perfect words of comfort that, that are going to blast away the pain, even though magic words like that don't really exist. Once I was in a hospital room with a family, and it looked very much like they might lose their son that night, their teenage son. He was medically fragile. He'd come close to death before, and this night was another close call. The family was weeping, and he was suffering. And as they wept, I just stood there with them. I waited there for the present. It was all I could do, stay with them, and watch and wait. And we have a name for this in religious circles, and it's called the ministry of presence. Presence, not presence. <laughs> and it means that often just being there is enough. Standing there, listening, waiting, trying to stay present and not leave your body when people you love are suffering and it's hard to stay there with them in the pain, the uncertainty, the fear. Maybe you've been there. Just being there matters. Often waiting there for the present is enough. 
And that's freeing, I think. That's freeing for you and me. It means less worrying about finding exactly the right words because sometimes there are no words. And I, and I think this is how it is for Joseph in the first chapter of Luke's gospel. He, he shows up and he stands by. <laughs> There's no way that he could have fully anticipated or could be understanding what is happening in his life, happening to his fiance, happening to life as we know it to this very day. Even if Mary had gone over with him point by point, everything the angel Gabriel said to her, there's no way that his human mind could have taken it all in. And then when the shepherds arrive with their extraordinary news, when they make known what was told to them about this child, we learn that all who heard it were amazed. That means Joseph was amazed too. Amazed. But I wonder, I wonder, I keep wondering, was he frustrated? Does he wish that he had a bigger, more active role to play? Well, this past week, our St. James School Christmas pageant took place right here, and 380 students from preschool through sixth grade passed across the stage singing and dancing and playing instruments, and of course, the Holy Family gathered right there in front of the small altar and received visits from shepherds and angels, and they had chosen kindergartners to play Mary and Joseph. And for me, the highlight of the whole pageant by far was a kindergartner named Liam who played Joseph, and he was not satisfied with waiting there for the present. <laughs> Far from it. Instead, he, he was like an air traffic controller. He was hurrying the shepherds down the aisle. He was rearranging all of the angels. He was whispering instructions to everyone. And it was the most extraordinary thing I ever saw. And on his face was this wonderfully world-weary expression as if to say, well, somebody's got to take charge around here. <laughs> Kindergarten. It was amazing. Also, one of the shepherds fell sound asleep, and that was the other most beautiful part <laughs> through the whole thing. Sometimes, like our kindergarten Joseph, we would prefer a higher profile role and, and also more clarity about our purpose. Maybe you feel these days as if you can't quite hear God's call for you or maybe you feel like you've been waiting your whole life for a clearer sense of who you are and why you're here. And maybe you're tired of waiting on the sidelines and, and want to get sent out onto the field. But let's consider what Joseph is quietly achieving in Luke's gospel tonight. Like any good father... He plans, nurtures, protects, and marvels. Think about childbirth. 
I believe that, that a man in the delivery room feels much of the same fear and pain and joy experienced by the partner who's actually giving birth. Well, maybe not the pain, but the fear and the joy, definitely. In the birth process, the one not giving birth is working as hard as they can to hold the space, to encourage, to watch and wait. I would go so far as to say that Joseph's role is positively meditative. (laughs) Because after all, meditation is focused presence. And as writer Bob Sharples puts it, it's an act of love for yourself and for others, meditation. So there's no longer any need for what he calls the subtle aggression of self-improvement, the endless guilt of not doing enough. The end of the ceaseless round of trying so hard that wraps so many people's lives in a knot. Is this how it is for you sometimes? Are you hard on yourself for not doing more, forgetting that just being you, (laughs) wonderful you, and being awake and alive and present in your life and to your life is an awful lot, a marvelous amount, definitely enough. So here's a question to ask yourself tonight. How might I be being called to show up and stand by? And how might I be being called to make a space for good things to happen? That's Joseph. He stands by. He waits there for the present, and in his showing up and standing by, helps bring about the ultimate gift, a presence at once divine and utterly human, a miracle. So tonight, let's appreciate quiet Joseph, and like him, stand by. Let's quietly, humbly wait here for the presence and feel it fully, watching and waiting for how we can help a new humanity come to life. Jesus, born into our lives tonight, and always. Amen.